Hello there and welcome to In The Shower with Taz and Marcus, a 15-minute informative podcast where we aim to broaden your mind as you wash your squishy behind. So as Taz said, this is a 15-minute informative podcast. We aim to answer your questions, big or small, serious or not so serious. For example, last week we answered... Why do we never see baby pigeons? And next week we're going to answer... What is the correct way to wipe your bum? And while those are fairly abstract, this week we're tackling a big one. But before I tell you what it is, I just want to give a massive, massive thank you to everyone who made episode one a success. Yeah, the success of episode one kind of blew our socks off a little bit. We ended up getting to number two on the iTunes comedy podcast chart, which was completely unexpected and 100% down to you guys who are listening right now. So thank you so, so much. So if you gave us a shout out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, if you got in touch with us to say you really enjoyed it, if you told your friends about it, if you shouted it in your deaf granny's ear that she needs to listen to uh, In the Shower with Taz and Marcus, we want to extend a warm, wholesome thank you to you. We're sending big showery hugs. And if you're listening to this and you haven't subscribed, nor shared it on any socials, but feel the need to do so, please do. Take out your phones right now, open up the iTunes podcast app, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. And please hit that little subscribe button beside Marcus and my little cartoon faces. And remember, we are a new podcast, so everything you do helps us. Every download, every subscription, every rating, and every review helps us climb the charts and uh, helps spread the word of shower information. Oh no, Marcus. We're digging into our shower time. We are digging into our shower time. Okay, get naked, because we are tackling a big one this week. What is it? What is it? We're answering the age-old question, why do we fall in love? It's a big one. It's a big one. Why do we fall in love? It's 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 one that gets you, isn't it? It's it like, really, you know what? And I'm sure people have like listened to this and like felt this, uh, and they they really this question hit they hit home with me. Yeah. So I did a little bit of research, and why we fall in love isn't that easy to answer. There's so many layers to this. Mm. Um, there's the the chemical approach. There's the societal approach. There's the physical approach, and then there's the impact that love has had on quite literally. Everything we know. Yeah. So like cha-cha slide here, reverse, reverse. We're going to go way back. Way back. Has anything in the world been written about, painted about, more sung about than love? Probably not. No. It it is. It really is like the founding stone of our... Of everything. Of everything. Like literally, we wouldn't be here if it didn't exist. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that every listener out there who's listening to this has experienced love in some form. Like you can love your pet. You yeah. can love your... I was going to say brother there, but in a nice, in a... You can love your Xbox. You can love asparagus. Whatever. But you know what? We're going to start right at the beginning. We're going to, we're going to tackle the question head on before we go on to the bigger, the bigger picture. Um, how do we fall in love? Tell me, Marcus. So there have been tons of studies done on this, and it's really, really interesting. Obviously, love is very important from a, uh, from a societal aspect that... Love isn't just something that happens that makes you feel good. The, the basis of love is that we fall in love to reproduce and keep the human population going. And I mean, Very I, I, unromantic, but... It, it is unromantic. It breaks, it breaks it down a little bit. But at the end of the day, we are beasts. We are animals and we are in love. And um, that's, that's interesting. So like right from the get-go, appearance is a major factor. Um, and I'm not saying that looks matter. I'm just saying that your eyes will always be drawn to somebody in a room full of people when it comes to finding a potential mate. 
Um, now, how we actually seek those mates out is even more interesting. Um, people have said that you know you, you'll look for somebody who maybe has a similar facial trait to one of your parents. Yeah. Um, but recently there was a study done, and this blew my tiny mind, where. Uh, participants in the study had a photograph of themselves taken and right. without their knowledge that photograph was morphed into in, into the other gender so for example Taz you'd be you'd be made into into Tom and you would have a male face um, or I would be made into Marcusina um, and you know maybe they'd, yeah. they'd cut back my beard a little bit and make me make me into a sexy girl <laughs> um, and the, these participants were shown 10 or 20 photos and the vast majority of the time they would pick out the uh, the morphed version Stop. of themselves. What? Absolutely. And so come here, come here. Is that is that kind of a new phenomenon? Like, is, is vanity increasing, and is that the reason why, or is that just chemically? It's a good brain? question. You know, we spend so much time staring at ourselves on a selfie camera that uh, that maybe not that, all of us do, Marcus. Not all of know. us do, but you know what? Uh, that's my life, and you can't judge me. By the way, we are a couple of minutes in now. You should be nice and wet, frolic around the shower, shampoo. Woo! Maybe get some shampoo and uh, and start rubbing it into your hair uh, while we're talking about love. And we love bald people too. We love bald people too. Um, so yeah, if you do bald people shampoo. Oh, again, I think we asked this in the last podcast. We're going to have to cover that question because you know what? You cover it for us. If you're bald, let us know. Um, so yeah, that that's when it comes down to appearance. And as I said, I'm not saying that beauty is a deciding factor in why we fall in love. I'm just saying that um, in your subconscious, there is an ideal partner. Mm-hmm. And you won't be able to think of that consciously. It's just, it's there. Inherently Sometimes, inside of you. Sometimes you see someone and you're just like, you click with me. Um, so whether it comes down to a familiar face or indeed elements of your own face or mm-hmm. body or physical traits, then that that seems to be a dominant theme in what we look for in in a potential mate. I'm not going to go so far as to say spouse or relationship partner yeah. I'm, I'm going to say mate because we're still dealing at this base level yeah. then um, second to that I mean you see a room full of 20 people you focus on one personality is a huge player of course um, people tend to once again we're, we're humans we're creatures of habit we love familiarity go for personality traits that they have had um, overwhelmingly o- overwhelmingly in their life growing up so um, they'll, they'll seek traits that maybe their parents had or maybe somebody who was an older influence in their life had um, because when you think about it sociologically, that's how you form your frame of the world. Of course. Your earliest understanding of a person, or like what a personality is, of course you're going to kind of have a, a heightened view of that said personality. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, that obviously comes down to it. It's not as simple as like, oh my God, they like Green Day and I like Green Day. I like hot dogs and they like hot dogs. Like that's not what we're talking about when we say matching personalities. We mean similar framing and worldview. Come here. Yeah. Why why does the phrase exist then opposites attract? Um lots of phrases exist. So do you, opposites don't in fact attract. No, opposites can attract, but like judging by what I've looked into, mm. um we actually do seek out kind of complementary facets. And the thing is, it, it, opposites aren't always contradictory. Opposites can actually match up pretty well if you bring out the best in each other. And, and I'll talk about this in, next in the stages of uh the stages of love that maybe opposites can um can just add a little bit more uh challenge into forming long-term companionship. Okay. Um and then we can go into the chemical aspect of love. Um yes. pheromones being 
the first one. And the thing is, like pheromones are very prevalent in the animal world. Yeah. Um, for example, a dog is in heat. You will have every other dog yes. in the neighborhood yes, yes, trying yes. to jump over the fence to hump your Shih Tzu. <laughs> um, but there's quite a lot of people on the fence about how um, how much human pheromones actually affect love. Um, it's far more that scent is associated to memory and that somebody who smells good will typically be more appealing, hence the okay. hugely booming perfume industry um, and the fact that you can go into your local supermarket and pick from one of 10,000 different shower gels with crazy names. Yeah. Um, but then we, we look at the the stages of love. Mm-hmm. First of all, we have a base attraction. We've kind of covered what that is. And then you have a, what's called passionate love or lust, um, which is when your brain kind of goes into override and all of a sudden... Honeymoon. Honeymoon uh, n- not quite, not actually. Quite? Okay. Not quite. We're not quite there yet. Not quite there. It's this um, this feeling where uh, chemically what happens is, as far as I know, your cortisol, which is the stress hormone, and your serotonin, which affects move, your levels of both those hormones drop um, and you get a huge surge in, uh, in dopamine, which is your pleasure hormone. This is very similar. Funnily enough, um, I know people have said love is addictive. Um, this is very similar to what happens in your brain chemically when you take cocaine. No way. So what happens... So you can match up cocaine, like that's how addictive the kind of the properties of each are. Absolutely. That's crazy. It's insane. Like it, really looking at, a, at what love does to your brain on a chemical level um, is fascinating. By the way, we're nine minutes in now, so you should uh, you should be rinsing your body off. I hope you had a good lather. Remember to wash deep in all your crevasses and um, really get in there. Um, so come here, love, love and cocaine. What do you more know more about this? This is this that's fascinating. It's fascinating. So basically, um, when you fall in love, chemically you've so much dopamine going through your body, and your, your serotonin levels are so out of whack that um, you literally see the world in a better life. Your ple- your pleasure receptors are just open to everything. Mm-hmm. Food tastes better, colors are more vivid, um, and you're more excited for everything. And it's all because of this one person who is triggering this uh, this response in your brain. On top of that, there's a bonding ho- hormone called oxytocin, which is released when you have sex. Um, and as far as I can tell from reading a little bit, oxytocin tends to be released in just in that post-coital moment after you've had sex and you're having a little cuddle and there's nothing wrong in the world. And that's um, that's really what forms a bond by, by the looks of things. I mean, in a chemical way, this is if all those original kind of blocks are in place. But, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a really unromantic way of talking about love and thinking about love because um, love has inspired so much. I mean, so much. you can answer the question, why do we fall in love in a brutally scientific way and saying, well, it's a chemical waterfall that happens in your brain. Besides um, the fact that we just need to mate. But that's that it. So to, we, we keep it to, yeah, to propagate the human species. And... um I think if you if you strip that back, I mean that's why we fall in love, in a in a purely chemical sense, to make babies and to keep keep you know our generations going. But then we look at what love has done for us as a species, and I think that's far more interesting. I mean historically, love has started wars, love has inspired great works of art. Yeah, love 
is, as you said earlier, the thing that is sung about most, has the most poems written about it. Yeah. There have been millions of movies across every culture. Okay. Do you think we only have like two minutes left? Okay. So just kind of close this off because we can think of love romantically or as you said, just in a kind of black and white way where it's just it's it's just what humans need to do. It's kind of, you know, it's just the way we were made was to fall in love and to mate. Do you think that love can conquer all? And not like a love can conquer all. Genuinely, genuinely, do you think that love can conquer all? I think that it can. Yeah. I genuinely do. I think that, um, of course, you can break down the scientific analysis of love. Um, and at the end of the day, it's, it's sad but that is that is kind of a big dominant feature of it. But I think if you take a step past that, and all of a sudden we've, I think you know what we've um, we've come to a point in society now where maybe we can be a little bit more aware of what's going on in our own bodies, and we can look at the reactions we're having to a situation and assess them. So I think, on a conscious level, love can conquer all. Yeah, I think that. Um, Love is linked to passion, ambition, determination, want to not just be, you know, the best for your partner, but to be the best you for everything. And if you take that mind frame, I think that love can definitely um, put you in a position where you can conquer anything. I completely agree with that. Amen, Uh, sister. Amen, sister. So we are 13 minutes into this podcast. You should have stepped out of the shower at this point, left the cozy, warm embrace of the shower and um, and be toweling yourself off and maybe thinking about that person in your life or the Xbox or your dog or or that that peace lily that you keep on your mantelpiece. Yeah. You should be thinking about that. And hopefully um, we have answered this question a little bit. And maybe, maybe, you know, you can look at the fact that you can break down love to a crude explosion of hormones in your brain. Or you can look at it as something that has existed forever mm-hmm. and will always exist. And just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. What, it's magic. What is life without love? It's what just... is life without love? It is the most magic thing in the world, followed closely by showers. Well, there you have it, guys. That was our roundabout way of answering the deep age-old question of why we fall in love. I hope you enjoyed it. And you know what? I hope we didn't uh, ruin the romance of love for you. If anything, I hope we increased it. We have so many more episodes lined up and they're going to continuously be released on a Monday. So please, 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 like we said at the beginning of this episode, like us on Facebook, share our posts, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And please, please, please recommend us to a friend if you think that they could like what we're doing here. We just want to give a massive shout out to some of the people who helped us get the word out about episode one and helped it become such a success. Thank you so much to Dara Doyle, Neve O'Donoghue, Jake McCabe, James Hannon, Colin Devine, and anyone else who took the time to share our post. A massive thank you as well to the supremely talented Flo Robinson for our wonderful artwork. We love you, Flo. So Marcus, if people want to get in touch or want to send in their questions, how can they do so? They can hit us up on Facebook. They can just look up In The Shower with Taz and Marcus. If you're on Twitter, it's In The Shower Pod. You can email any questions that you have to in the shower podcast at gmail.com and we will do our bestest to pull them apart and think of a solution and if none of them are good enough I'm usually sitting outside Clement de Pico enjoying a flat white for about four hours a day is that not the most hipster description you've ever heard in your life well you know what that's what we're going with <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you guys so much for listening. This podcast has been mixed, edited and produced by yours truly, Chaz Kelleher, as part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Thanks to Paddy and Alan and all the people at Headstuff who make all these amazing podcasts happen. Next week, we're answering a big question. Um, what is the correct way to wipe your bum? And some disgusting truths may be unveiled about my co-host and his wiping techniques. Until then, keep scrubbing. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.